actually coming up on your screen. Oh, there we go. Wow, there it is. Now, what's going on, there Benny? Wow. Good, mate. You okay? <laughs> hey, listen, all good oh. things are worth waiting for, Ben. It's all right, man. It's all good. If I, if I, I turn this this way, is it weird? Uh, you're sideways. Always, my friend. Always. <laughs> uh, here, let me do. Let me see if I can fix this so I can actually. You know what? I'll hold it. Screw it. It's okay. Looks really, looks really nice there. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I'm up at uh, up at the, up at our beach house in Mendocino, so uh, it's oh. a little chilly out, but it's a beautiful, beautiful day. What's going really on in the UK, beautiful. guys? Uh, we've actually had some nice weather for once. It's been really sunny here as well. It's it's been a. Oh. A good good turnaround today. <laughs> yeah, let's hope it all turns around, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of put the brakes on very hard this whole COVID. It's it's life's gone a bit still, really, hasn't it? It's uh yeah, it's definitely um it's a different world. Like yeah, you know, I wake up every day, I go outside, and I ask myself, what 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 planet am I on right now? <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. Oh. It's good to see you. It's good to see everybody that's joined. I'm not sure. I think there's like 11 of us, and that's good because I like a small tea party. Nice. I was nice. driving through my home. I was driving through my hometown, and I did see a DeLorean, so it was a sign. There we go. See, I see them all over the place too. So what's going on, <laughs> Benny? How's everything in your world? Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, just obviously trying to stay positive and obviously yeah. trying to do some talks like this with people, and it's so wonderful we can have you on. And and this is a big moment for me. I'm such a big fan of the whole Back to the Future franchise and even like Freddy Krueger and what you've done. So it's a real honor to talk to you. Well, it's nice to talk to you too. I'm looking at some of the uh, people talking to me here. It's hard for me guys to kind of like listen to him and look at this at the same time. So if you're asking me questions, uh, I'm here, but maybe Ben can tell me what it's saying. Ricky, let me see. Justin, oh yeah, I see John. Johnny Pappas, what's going on, man? see everybody over there. Let me say hello to everybody real quick there. Who else is here? Yeah, go for it. Nate. Okay, let me see. Ricky, what's up, man? What's going on, Mike? Man, see? All right, everybody's there. Cool, cool. Love you guys too, man. I appreciate your support, man, especially in these times. It's kind of cool. So shoot away, Ben. What's on your mind, man? Yeah, so yeah, I just want to talk to you about your career. So um, let's just let's dive into it. And um, how did you get started? Like, did you always want to be an actor or did you go to acting school? Or how did it come uh, about? No, no, actually, I, I, I never even thought about being an actor. Um, I, I always, uh, I always, I always wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be a, uh, I, I am a musician and I do write and I do play. And that's kind of how I, uh, started. I played in bands, you know, when I was young all my life. And, um, I thought that's was what I was going to be doing. And, um, I kind of got discovered by accident, believe it or not. It's one of those old Hollywood stories that people think aren't true, but, that's exactly how it happened. I did, I did a, I was living, when I moved to Los Angeles from, I'm, I'm originally from Northern California. Uh, so when I moved to Los Angeles, and that's a whole other story. When it, uh, I'm writing my book, when it comes out, you guys will be able to, to really feel about whatever, <laughs> everything that's happening, but I don't want to give away too much, but I ended up in Los Angeles. And when you read uh, my book, you'll see what that's all about. And when I got to Los Angeles, I was living at a friend's house and a director knocked on the door and um, I was playing yeah. piano in the living room and he was a director from UCLA. He was doing a thesis film. It was his graduating film and he wanted to use the building that I was living in. It was this beautiful uh, Victorian, really beautiful place that my friend's uh, aunt had owned. And um, I answered the door 
And he said, yeah. hey, I, you know, I'd like to use, wonder if I could use this building to shoot a film. And I said, I, I, I don't know. It's not my place. And he says, well, who was playing the piano? And I said, I was. And he goes, well, he goes, you know, I'm looking for the lead, lead actor in this. And it's about a brother and sister who were fighting over an inheritance. And he's a piano player. He's a songwriter. Hmm. And I just said, I, I, Ben, I said, yes, that's all I did. I said, sure. <sighs> and I did that short film. And it, it, you know, they play them at the end of the graduation every year. They'll play them for the, uh, for college. They have their thesis films and then all of these people come. And it just happened that a very well-known, incredible casting director named Joanna Ray, who did all the Twin Peaks. And uh, I mean, she's had a stellar career in, in the industry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I was in the lobby and she pulled me aside and she's this sweet little English lady. And she says, you know, she says, Lavi, who's your, who's your agent? And I just, I was like, um, I, I, what do you mean? She's like, oh, don't tell me you don't, Christ, you don't do this. And I'm like, no, my first thing. <laughs> and she's like, well, you're the best goddamn thing in this whole lot of shit I've seen. And, you know, and this is like seriously what she was saying to me. And I was kind of looking at her like, well, what are you talking about? She says, well, you want to do this for a living? And I'm like, I don't know. Can I make any money? I'm trying to get, you know, strings for my instruments. I'm trying to get, just do all this stuff. <laughs> And man, I'll tell you, Ben, that's exactly how it happened. She picked me up. Yeah. She connected me with a manager, um, an incredible gentleman named Michael Hewitson, who managed me for a long time, who I love dearly, um, and then hooked me up with my first agent. She brought me in for my first two films. The first film she brought me in for, uh, if you look at my credits, you might see it, it's a film called Nightbreaker. Um, it was with Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Joey Pantliano, Leah Thompson, believe it or not, it was one of her first films. And I hadn't, and I, I didn't know at that time that I'd be working with her again in Back to the Future. So I did, yeah. I did that film. And like I said, Joanna just pulled me aside. She hooked me up and I went in and I started booking everything that I read for. And that's how it happened, man. I mean, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it literally got... Just like being in the right place at the right time, it's perfect. Uh, yeah, I think I think really, Ben, what it's all about. And I tell I tell friends and I tell supporters and people that you know, life life has a tendency to. Um, I, I look at life as a, as a big door, and it has a tendency to have a lot of knocks on it. And you're either going to answer those doors and walk through them, or you're going to close them. And I yeah. I've always chosen to walk through them. I've always been the kind of like. You know, if, if, if you don't give it a shot, then you have no shot at all. You know, you can't yeah. be afraid of, you can't be afraid of rejection. Like, oh, oh, if I do that, they might say no, or this might, you know, yeah, they might say no, but they might say yes. And if you don't take that chance and, and don't be afraid of the no's, the yeses are always, you know, the yeses are always good. And so that's kind of how I live my life. I, I try to just answer doors, you know, and, and yeah. some of them are doors I want to, you know, try and kick back open and get the crap out but you know at least I, open them up and I, so, <laughs> I just you know you got to go for your dreams i i really believe that you got to dream big and you got to just listen it, it it can happen to anybody if you work hard and you and you you do what you love you know what i mean and if people you know people come to that that's that's an awesome thing man yeah that's a brilliant thing that's an awesome way to look at it as well yeah so, I, I, that's how i feel so that's Sorry, I've got a bit of a delay here. <laughs> my light? I don't know, I had a delay then, but it's all right, you've caught up again. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty good at that, catching up with delays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, 
I, I did okay. some, obviously I did a, I did a lot of research on you and, and oh, I found no. some really really interesting and some awesome stories. So can you tell us about when you lived in Hawaii and then you went to Hollywood and then you got stuck in Hollywood? Man, that that's works. my book, Ben. I can't tell you that <laughs> stuff, man. No, how, how, where did you hear that story? Oh, I've, I've been looking around online, and then obviously I, I saw that, um, yeah, some that, chats that you did with yeah, people, yeah. and I, I saw a few things. That, that, that's exactly how it happened, to be honest with you. Um, when I was 17 and a half years old, um, I got a phone call from my sister's ex-boyfriend, believe it or not. And um, I was managing a Taco Bell at that time in Northern California. And um, <laughs> I got a phone call and he said, hey, you got to come to Hawaii. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, look at man, we got a place. You got to come to Hawaii. It's great. And, and again, Ben, there was a door that knocked. I was at a Taco Bell going, man, what, is, what the hell am I doing with myself? You know, trying to. And I, I literally quit the next day, took my last paycheck. I think it was $170 or something back then. And I bought a plane ticket to Hawaii and I moved to Hawaii and it was on my own. And I got picked up at the airport <laughs> by these guys and uh, drove to the house that we're supposed to be living in. And <laughs> I get to the place. It's a cool little apartment. It's in Waikiki, right? Right in the middle of, you know, all this shit. And um, on the door is an eviction notice. And I'm like, what the hell is, what, you guys got me on a plane. I got a one-way ticket, man. You haven't even paid the rent on the, so long story short, I ended up staying for two years. They were gone three months after I got there. So yes. I stayed there for three years and, and, um, and yes, I ended up in Hollywood by complete accident. And, and I'll go, I, I'll, hopefully I'll save that for the book and you guys can figure out the rest of that story later. But um, yeah, I ended up in Los Angeles by complete accident. I, I couldn't get back to San Francisco. It was cheaper for me to get to uh, Los Angeles. And I had met, uh, my girlfriend and I at the time had met a young lady uh, that was from Los Angeles. And she said, hey, anytime you want to come to LA, come to LA. And so she knew that, you know, it, it, it's a long story, but it's a great story. And it will be told, I promise you that. But yes, that's how I ended up, that's how I ended up in Los Angeles. I mean, I went so through. We definitely I, I, did we get cut off again? Oh yeah, sorry. So we we definitely got to wait for the book then. Yeah, I think so. I, otherwise, I'm going to give it all away, and you know, I, I, I unless you you know guys buy the book anyway. But yeah, and it's a you know the story is long, the Los Angeles story, how I got there from Hawaii, uh, what happened to me in Hawaii to get me to Los Angeles. And then what happened when I got, you know, in LA, I mean, I lived in closets. I, I was broke. I had nothing. I had a ticket and the clothes on my back when I got to Los Angeles. So it's a, it's a pretty cool, um, <laughs> thinking back on it now, it's cool. It's easy to laugh, you know, but I, there was some times, yeah. man, there were some struggles and, you know, times I'm, you know, living in a, literally in my friend's bedroom's closet, literally. And the, you know, the glass doors open and I made a bed in there. And, um, yeah, it was a crazy time, but but I kept fighting and I kept a good attitude and I kept positive, like you said. You have to. Um, I think I think that's what the universe is trying to teach us all right now is positivity and you know oh, to yeah, slow to slow down and let's get back to humanity and let's get back to loving each other and let's get back to what really counts, you know. And I think that's us. We count. And I think we've lost that, you know, with the corporate America and, and just, just everything, corporate, corporate world, let's put it to you that way. 
You know, I can say yes. corporate America, but I've been to the UK. It's corporate. Everything. You know, the world is turned into this corporate machine. And I don't want to get into politics because that's always, you know, <laughs> politics and religions are nothing to really. But I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think this has given us a chance to slow down and just hopefully see each other for, for what we really are, which is human beings. Not not a yeah. color, you know, we're not black, we're not white, we're not we're not yellow, we're not red, we're, we're human beings. I mean, if you stand us all in a line, and my friends have said, I've said it a hundred times, and you cut us all, we're gonna bleed and bleed out together. And, yeah. and that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter where we're from or what we've done or who, it, it, none of that matters. What matters is we're the human race, and that, that's what's important to me. And I hope we get to that, you know. But yeah, the story is, um, I've been, I'm working on the script too. I'm working on a script of, of my life story because there's just so many things that, you know, I think that other supporters would be able to relate to, um, you know, dysfunctional family stuff, just, just, just life, real life, what happens to people and the scars that they take with them uh, into adulthood and not even realize that those scars are actually running their lives and that they, they're, you know, they wonder, well, why is this happening to me? Well, why is that? And you don't, and let, until you really stop and get it and go, man, you know, you can't, you have to, you have to be grateful and, and even in the tough times. That's how I feel about it. So, so these are away from the, so moved away from the politics and that. So we yes. move into back to the future. We can move into whatever you like. Sure. Back to the future. <laughs> one of my favorite subjects. I mean, take, take that film for it. Take this film, this franchise, for instance, man, this is like, who would have, you know, when I talk to my other, uh, you know, my other acting buddies and my other uh, uh, actors who did the film with me and, and my friends and, you know, to think that 35, 36 years later that this film would still be, you know, I talked to, when I talked to Bob Gale, I tell him all the time, I said, you, you've written something that is timeless. You know, I've got five and six year olds that are, that are huge supporters of mine. And, and this is another generation of, you know, yeah, it's an incredible franchise and I'm, and I'm really grateful and um, happy that I was able to be part of it, you know. So um, how did you get your role for Back to the Future? Did you get an audition? Were you recommended? Nope, I got an audition. My agent called me and um, said, listen, you're going to be reading for this project. We didn't know what it was at first. They didn't tell us it was Back to the Future. They just said, you're going to Amblin. And that's kind of how it works. You know, in the business, you, in the old days, you would have an agent, that agent would send your, uh, uh, casting people would put out what they call breakdowns. And it's an industry thing that only casting people get to see an agency. And, and then they say, we're looking for this guy for this role. And then agents will send your picture in and then the, yeah. the casting people will call you in. So I got called in for it. And um, at that at that time, I was doing pretty, you know, I was really booking a lot of things and I had some uh, other things under my belt. And um, I went in and I read for it. I went to Amblin. I went to you know, Universal's back lot and read right there at Steven Spielberg's, you know, place. Kind of crazy. That's huge. Kind of going crazy. to Steven Spielberg's place. Uh, it was huge. And I and I and I, I went there seven times. Literally. That, <laughs> seven that's times. How, seven, seven. Uh, it was either seven or eight times. Uh, I kept being called back and called back and called back. Uh, and then they were putting the, uh, you know, the hoverboard gang together, mix, mixing and matching. I remember the day I sat with, with Jason Scott Lee and, you know, who's still one of my good friends and one of my best friends, Darlene Vogel, you know, who, 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 yeah. 
I remember sitting on the bench outside Amblin with them and going, what is this your sixth time too? How, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you know. And so I went in for the last, I went in for the last audition. Um, they taped me, I did the scene again. And it was funny because at that time, I remember that audition clearly because I was sick. I had the flu, I was just not well. I remember my agent called me and said, man, they want to see you again. I'm like, oh, I, I, I can't go. They've seen enough. There's no way. I, you know, how many times can I, I don't want to, you know, I've just been, I don't feel good, but I went anyway, because it's what you do. You know, you go in, you yeah. suck it up. And you, so I went, I did my tape. They were taping me live. I finished the tape and I remember I looked at the camera and I went, look it, Bob Zemeckis, either hire me or leave me to fuck alone. <laughs> Because I'm not coming back. And you know, it's funny because I was green back then. I, I wasn't a, an actor. I didn't go to acting classes. I didn't know how to handle myself in auditions. I was just me. Like, that's kind of how yeah. I felt. Like, look, I'm sick, man. This is like the sixth time. If you don't want me, leave me alone because I, I, I don't want to, you know. And so I got in my car. I'm driving off the back lot. I didn't even get off the back lot. My phone rings. And it's Robert Zemeckis. Oh, Ricky, nice. still, he's like, he's still on the lot? And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, come back to the office. I want to talk to you. I'm like, okay. So the whole time he was watching in another room. And I wasn't aware of that. So he called me and I went into this big office, this beautiful big office and he, big long table. He was sitting there and said, okay. He said, no, so I won't bug I don't remember exactly what the conversation was, but I do remember he said, well, listen, are you afraid of, are you afraid of flying? And I said, no, the only thing I'm afraid of is not getting this role. I'll fly anything. Let's go. And I, Booked the job that day. That was kind of how it was. But it, you know, it's it's one of those things, man. It's 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 the business. Uh, um, <laughs> it's one of those things. Let's put it that way. But yeah, that's how that went for me. So, what was your first impressions of walking on set and seeing it all set up? It's all <clears throat> in the future and stuff. Like, what went through can, your mind? Can you imagine, Ben, to like walk on? You, first of all, remember, I'm new at this, so I, I had only done. Uh, a couple of films before this film, I had done the Night Nightbreaker with Martin Sheen. That's how I broke broke my teeth on that stuff. And then, yeah, got got to the set. And when you you know when you walk onto the set, it's just like it's like being transformed, man. It it was it was like it was the future. Yeah. I mean, there there was the Cafe Eighties, there was the Clock Tower, there was you know, and I hadn't I hadn't seen the first Back to the Future movie. So that's another one of my questions. Yeah, no, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. I, I mean, I was a huge fan of Michael J. Fox's from his TV series. You know, mm -hmm. I just, I just love Michael. I thought, you know, his timing as an actor, uh, just, just to, just, just his ability um, as a performer to do what he did. I mean, the guy, the, the guy's a genius. You know, yeah. he really was. So I was, I, I was just really looking forward to working with him. You know, and and being on set with him. And then of course, you know, sitting with, uh, you know, the director and, and then Bob Gale was there and yeah, it was, it was something else, man. It was, it was like, it was probably like you guys would imagine it was, it, it was just kind of like, you got to go, wait a minute, am I really doing this? And then, <laughs> and then they gave me a paycheck and then I was like, really, are you kidding me? I get, I, I get to play like this and then you're going to pay me to do it too. Okay. Maybe I could do this for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a bad day, does it? Ah, ah, man, I had so much fun. I enjoyed it so much. It, it, it was long. You know, we shot for a very long time. And then uh, they did two and three simultaneously back to back. So as soon as I got done 
14, 15 weeks on two, I think. I'm not sure exactly. I guess that was a while ago now, but I think it was that long. Um, I went straight to Ojai to work with Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, doing the truck scene at the end of three. And that yeah. was like an Easter egg. That was Robert Zemeckis. I don't know if the, if, if the supporters really got that, but Robert Zemeckis was doing sort of an Easter egg back then when before Easter eggs were known, you know, like in video games, the Easter egg. He wanted to he wanted to see that if, if the Back to the Future fans would, would realize that he had taken a bad guy from all diff, every one of the different films and put him in the back of that truck with Flea at the end of three. Oh, so he called me up and he said, listen, I'm picking one bad guy and I want you to be that guy for, you know, in three. And I was like, yeah, of course. You know, so I got to go spend two days with Flea and, you know, just have a great time and shoot that scene. And uh, yeah, man, it it's. It's kind of like, it feels like it was just yesterday. It really doesn't feel like 35 years ago, you know? Uh, it's been a while now, hasn't it, since it's been? 35, 36 years? What are we at, 36 yeah. now? We just had the 35th anniversary. 30 year, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just so crazy. To, so you're able to tell us what it's like to fly a real hoverboard. How did you get to fly a hoverboard around set? Can you tell us the uh, ins and outs of that? Uh, well, what we did is we, uh, before the shoot even happened, we spent two weeks at the uh, stunt, stunt coordinator. Uh, he had a ranch, and we were up there, myself, Darlene, and Jason, uh, and the stunt guys, Gary Morgan and Richie, and, and uh, you know, a bunch of us were there. And we were learning. They were trying to figure out how to make these boards fly without killing us at the same time. <laughs> um, so, so they had us, you know, they had, they had pretty much the rig set up. Um, and I, I think you guys understand how it was done now with the cranes and, and the whole thing. Yeah. And so what they were trying to figure out was how to get the, um, the wire that went, that, that, that hooked to our belt. It was just this little tiny wire. I mean, like a piano wire. Our feet were free on the board, so we could move our feet because we had to be able to, to maneuver and shift and ride back and come this way and do all that stuff. So we were learning how to do it, you know, for two weeks. Uh, we just kept going up to the ranch and, and working and learning and working, and that's how we kind of learned how to fly them. <clears throat> you know, yeah. yes, there's a crane. Yes, they're hooked to these little uh, safety lines, but your feet were free. You had to click them around, you know, and you had to have a little bit of skateboard experience. And skateboards were good for it, too, because we use skateboards in a lot of the scenes on the ground. Yeah. So did I give anything away just now? No, it's been 35 years. People should know. <laughs> so obviously, but, yeah. obviously chasing on the hoverboards, I mean, I, also I wanted to bring this up to you if it's okay, because um, I like to talk about stunt people because they don't always get the recognition they do, but there was actually a stunt woman injured on set. And um, yes. talk us through that and tell us what happened there. And obviously the aftermath, is that okay? Um, yeah, it, 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 it is okay. And I'll tell you why I, I side like that. Um, Cheryl Wheeler was a really good friend of mine. Um, and I'm not sure if you guys realize it, but recently her ex-husband shot and killed her, uh, about a year ago. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, Cheryl, I was there the day that that happened and, um, it was, uh, it was, a, you know, it was just one of those things that happened on set, man. It, you know, we stunt people do not get enough recognition. And hey, Gary Morgan, Gary Morgan was a, uh, my stunt double, and he stunt doubled me in a lot of different films. And I, and I really, uh, 
I thank him for that because he did all the a lot of the hard stuff. And and you know, I I always wanted to do a lot of my own stuff too. So I did a lot of it, and then Gary would step in when, you know, because when you're shooting, they don't as an actor, they really don't want you to do it, even if you want to do it, because if you get hurt, then the film is on delay for however long it's going to be on delay. But yeah, Cheryl Cheryl got. Uh, you know, basically the stunt was supposed to work where we fly across the water. Uh, the stunt doubles get shot through the glass window. It was called candy glass is what they call it. When they get inside, they hit the buttons, they release them from the board, they land on pads inside the building. Okay. Well, un unfortunately, the stunt double for Biff somehow, the, the board got tipped. And he hit, you know, the helmet that he wore, that kind of spiky helmet that Griff was wearing. In the yeah. Scene. It, it hit, if you watch the scene, you'll be able to see it. If you watch closely and slow it down, he hit that stair. That caused the rigging to tip this way. It sent Cheryl into the pillar. Cheryl bounced off the pillar, sent the other two guys, the other three guys through. And the guys inside didn't know Cheryl wasn't inside. They blew the cables. She was still outside three stories up. So she fell straight. She fell straight to the ground, still connected to the board right on the, you know, when you go up to the main step, she was laying there. And it's funny because, you know, the only thing she kept saying is, did we get the shot? Did we get the shot? We were like, listen, you know, she was, I mean, she had been going through surgeries probably for 10 years, you know, to get that yeah. stuff fixed. And um, she was a lovely lady. And, and I, and I loved, you know, we were family friends and I loved her kids and, um, this tragedy happened last year, and um, yeah, crazy thing. She was a stunt woman through and through. She wants the show to continue. She's done a lot, yeah, and now she's no longer with us. And I and I, uh, I hope her daughters are well. And yeah, it was a tragedy, and it mm. was, um, yeah. Anyway, so that's how so that, that that's how that happened. <laughs> So do you, want to, do you want to walk us through a typical day of filming on set on Back to the Future? Just what your uh, routine yeah. would be. Typical day, you know, you don't, and it's and it kind of works like like on every film, every film after that, and most films, you know, you get to the set, you have your call time. I always like to get there a little bit early, and and you know, then I can go to what they call craft service, and I can get myself a cup of coffee or, you know, just just get settled in and ready for the day. And basically, with Back to the Future, it was kind of the same thing. We get to the back lot. Um, our trailers are there. Michael's trailer is set up right on the parking lot area across from the, uh, there was an LA river that ran and then there was a golf course on the other side. We used to hit balls from his trailer over to the golf course, which was so much fun. But so we would get to the set, you get to the set and then, you know, I had to go to uh, wardrobe and makeup and makeup was to get the hair done, get the makeup that they put on for the, the you know, the outfit, you get in all your gear and then you do a lot of sitting around and waiting. Yeah, that's kind of what it's that's kind of what it's like. You wait and then and then you get to, you know, it's kind of like I don't I don't know if people remember happy days, but there was an episode when Fonzie had refurbished an ice cream truck and he just gets it up to 35 miles an hour. And he's got to stop for some punk kid waving a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like that. You you go, go, go. And then you get, you know, 10, 15 minutes of getting to do what you love and then you wait for another hour. And especially yeah. Back to the Future too, because you know you got to remember uh, Robert Zemeckis was was creating these new cameras that allowed 
Michael to be on the same screen at the same time. They they did a lot of that technology back then. So they were working those camera angles out and making that work. And but I mean, you're sitting on the set with, you know, you know, it, it, it's really listen. They treat you really well. Um, you know, I have I have no complaints, man. I I feel like one of the luckiest guys around. That this is what I get. This is what I get to do this time around in my life. Yeah. You know. And coming from what I came from, I would have never thought that I'd be sitting there one talking to you, uh, you know, from the UK or even getting to travel, which I miss desperately. I cannot wait to get back and come see you guys. Um, we had a we had a very cool trip planned for France for another show, and that was right when the pandemic hit, and that got canceled. And you know, I have a lot of friends that have lost a lot of things because of this thing. But yeah, so that that's kind of it, Ben. I'm just grateful. I really am. Yeah. And that's a typical day on most sets, you know. You come in and we see each other and run on each other and, uh, you, you know, go to wardrobe, shit and chat with those those people inside. And, and it, I, I've always, I got to tell you, Ben, I've, I've always been like, like I said, great. I've always been in awe that I'm actually there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like when yeah, I go to I, shows and see my supporters, I'm still in awe that they want to take a picture with me. It just kind of like... Well, you know, I think I always say they go, well, can, I, can, 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 can you sign them? Like, yeah, as long as you sign something for me and take a picture with me, I'm good with that, you know, because it's, it's, it's humbling, man. It's, it's you know, it, it, I, I feel gifted and blessed enough, let alone having, you know, this, this and, and the Back to the Future fan base is so incredible. I mean, they're oh, just they're so, they're loyal. so loyal and so incredible. And I, you know, I got blessed because I also did, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And there was another fantastic franchise. And, you know, the horror community is just this incredible community, too. And they're just, you know. So, yeah, it's I, I blessed is all I can say, Ben, really. That's how I feel. I've been grateful. So, talking about horror films, how, yes. I mean, obviously, how, did you, how did you get into Freddy Krueger? What was your audition for that like? Uh, my audition for Freddy Krueger was pretty much the same thing. They called me in. Um, I went in for John. I went in to play John. They okay. wanted me to. They wanted me to do. They wanted me to be John. John Roll, the lead guy. John. Um, I read the script. They gave me. I got the script. I read it. I called my manager and said, "Listen, you know," I said, um, "I'm really feeling this Carlos guy," and you know everybody was like, "Dude, he dies first. Are you crazy? They want you to play the lead, and you this this guy." I and you know I'm like as an as an actor, um, which, which I I just I I like to be real and true. And John's character was cool, but I just did, I wasn't feeling him. I understood Carlos, you know what I mean? And so when I called my manager, he's like, well, listen, you're, you know, you, you, I can't, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you he dies first and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I went into the audition. I read for John. They loved it. And then I said, listen, I really, I really don't want to play John. I want to play Carlos. And I remember Aaron was one of the producers. He was in the room and he said, well, um, okay do you want to read for him i said yeah i'd love to read i got done with the audition and they were like yeah you're carlos and you know i didn't think twice about it i didn't think twice about giving up a lead role or and listen my buddy sean greenblatt did a, did an incredible job and i oh, yeah. would have never got that friendship you know had had he not got the role and we're still good friends and and um you know his his Yes, yeah, he's an amazing guy too. I love him too. Shawnee Greenblatt, I love you after, but I miss you, brother. But yeah, so that's how that happened, and I and I booked that, you know, right off the, the, you know, the first read. I booked it, and then, you know, and and again, 
you know, I'm really sorry, like horror community, but I had never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. The only <laughs> horror, the only horror movie I'd ever seen was uh, uh, The Exorcist of Linda Blair, and it scared the shit out of me so bad that I never watched another one. It haunted me for years, man. It haunted me. Your mother's in here. It's like, okay, I'm done with that shit. <laughs> so I, I never really thought about it. You know, I never really watched horror movies. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's not like I know, you know, I, I remember being at one of the one of the cons. And I think it was, I was with Mark, uh, uh, Mark Patton. And I was doing a panel and I had said, hey, you know, somebody had asked me, said, well, I've never never really did a horror movie I, I i don't watch them and i remember him after i got done he was like what are you doing you know you gotta you, you just you, you tell them what i'm like I, that's not who i am man i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and tell tell the people oh yeah i i watch every horror movie out there i love horror movie and I, you know that that's just not who i am and i don't think it makes it a bad thing i love doing freddy krueger movie i love doing nightmare on the street i love being freddy krueger's favorite kill you know, when he announced that, when he announced that in Pasadena that time, I was just like, really, dude, you've killed a lot of people. Carlos is your favorite? Yeah. Okay. You know, and he, and he, he said why, you know, because he was handicapped. And I, and he's right. Who, who better for, Car, uh, you know, for, for Freddy Krueger to pick on than some handicapped guy? It's like, he just, you know, it was, it was fun. But yeah, I, I love the franchise. It's dear to my heart too. And, and I love Robert England and, 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 you know, just, just everybody, all the, all the actors in that. A group of films are, are great people, and yeah. I'm again blessed to have another fantastic franchise like that. That's just you know, it doesn't seem no pun intended to die away either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of how that went too. Yeah, so when I, I watched Freddy Krueger at a very young age, and it terrified me. So what was it like being on set with Freddy Krueger and his? full makeup trying to chase you and kill you was it as terrifying I, I, as it is yeah i'd TV? never met i'd never like i said i'd never seen a, the film so i really didn't know what was going on until i read the script and i'm like who, what is, who is this guy with the claws and shit you know but, <laughs> i didn't get to you know i didn't get to see robert before our first scene oh nice <laughs> so I, here i am in the boiler room that was our first scene the boiler room and robert is such a he's such a kid man he's so much fun uh, he he got so much joy out of scaring the shit out of me every day, because you know when you do films and you block, you're blocking. The director will say, "Okay, Rob, Robert's going to come from this side and tap you on the shoulder and blah blah." You know, and of course, Robert, being the, the incredible cat that he is and such a such a fantastic actor, would always do the opposite. So I'd be expecting him over here, and he'd scare the shit out of me over here. And I'd be so so. A lot of that stuff was was you know a lot of that stuff was like real reactive stuff where it was, you know I remember the scene with the with the Q-tip and how much work we had to go through. Uh, John Buechler and and, uh, and another buddy of mine who who was one of the uh, makeup guys on there and and um, you know it was a tough scene to do. We had to really sell that at that time. You know you got to remember there wasn't green screen. There wasn't a lot of that going on back then. So a lot of that stuff was done with, you know, I had to have a head cast made and then I had to be where they were blowing up the head. I was behind the head. My hands were working, everything. It was, it was quite, it was quite the, uh, it was quite the experience. That's for sure. And then once I, you know, I did my first scene, then it was Robert and I in the makeup trailer at four in the morning and Robert and I, you know, the last one's leaving because we had to get all this makeup off. And, you know, it takes forever to get it off. It's all glued on. 
everything's glued yeah. on and then they take you know they got you can't just rip it off or your skin comes off with it and oh. so we got to know each other pretty well at that time and and uh breckenmeyer and uh, which is kind of cool i have here's a little I have, I have a video that breckenmeyer uh and i put together while we were on the set of that no one's ever seen it we made this okay. we made this documentary behind the scenes tape and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be putting that out pretty soon. I, I finally thought, you know what, I think people need to see this. And it's just really cool. It's us screwing with the cast and it's all the behind the scenes stuff. And it, and, and Brecken did a great job putting it together. He was, you know, he was a huge back Nightmare on Elm Street fan uh, at that time. Spencer, Brecken Meyer. Yeah. He was he was huge. I think he was sixteen or something when, when he booked that. And he was just like, you know, what do you mean you don't know who Freddy Krueger? Oh my God, but you know, I was like. <laughs> but yeah, the, the tape is really cool. I just ran a, I, I just kind of ran a last year again. I was in my, cause it's on VHS. And I was like, what the hell is this? I put it in, I was like, oh my God, people would die to see that thing. It's really cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm <laughs> we'll so see. looking maybe, forward to Maybe I won't put it out. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll keep it. I don't know. No, I, I, I think, I think the, uh, I think my supporters deserve to see cool stuff like that. And, you know, that'd be cool. But that's how that went. Another franchise that I'm grateful to, to, to uh, be involved with and have a chance to, you know, hang out with Robert and, and do those things, man. It was, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. So talking to franchises, um, because I don't know if a lot of people know this, you were part of the Pizza Hut franchise as well. <laughs> Well, you you did do your homework, didn't you? <laughs> I was really impressed. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I did the Bigfoot campaign, and and again, man, there's another great story because this was at a time when uh, you were either a commercial actor or you were a theatrical actor. The two never crossed. If if you okay. went into commercials, you would no longer work as a theatrical actor. They didn't take you serious. So so really, you would never see like the stars that do commercials now. Back in the '90s, early '80s and '90s, you'd never see that. That just wouldn't happen. So I had always said no, you know. And then as as we got later on into the '90s, and and then you know bigger stars started doing stuff. A friend of mine who produced those spots called me up and said, "Ricky, man, I I got these spots." you know you're perfect for them i want to bring you in i'm like man dude you know i don't do commercials man i'm i'm a real actor you know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's like listen man this other you know he, this guy did this and this guy did this and it, it's changing people are doing it and i'm like man you know let me think about it and they call me back up and listen listen man the auditions are coming i gotta i gotta you know and um, my wife said listen just go wait for it what's it gonna hurt you and, and, yeah. and he called me and says, listen, man, I'm going to make you a lot of money. And I was like, well, you know, the business hasn't always been about the money for me. You know, it's more about the work that I really enjoy. And, and I have starved my whole life. So I, I have no problem eating, you know, top ramen yeah. and hot dogs. No problem. <laughs> Done that for a long time. Um, and I wanted to do really good things. So anyway, so I finally said yes. I went in. Of course, I booked it immediately. And I think I did almost 20 or 30 of those spots they were running everywhere i was the yeah. big pizza guy <laughs> they That's ran during the super bowl you know and 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 again you know i i had a lot of fun shooting those you know I, I got to play all these different characters which is when i when i went in 
and they decided to hire me for a bunch of them. I said, look at, I want to be able to play other things. And I played an 80 year old Senator. I played a high, a school teacher and it was all makeup. Like it was me. And then I'd pull the mask off and it would be, I would be the teacher. And uh, they, <laughs> they aged me to a Senator. I don't know if you guys, these spots are a little bit, you could probably see them on YouTube. I would imagine, but there was one called oh, the Senator. Yeah. There's one called the Senator and I play a Senator and we're in this like, you know, capital meeting or whatever and i'm saying i said 599 599 and, and then and then i come through the door because it's bigfoot pizza and it, it was just yeah i had a lot of fun doing those man and and i did make quite a quite a, a nice little chunk of change on that but um it was fun yeah can't do that anymore can't make money on commercials anymore but you could back no. in those days so, well, yeah, good for you, Ben. You did your homework. I love that, man. Pizza Hut. Oh, wow. A little bit more for you, Mike. I was going to uh -oh, say, what, it, what the, else you got? Part of the thing that I do on my community is um, we help people with film props and obviously verify if they're real and consulting people now. Oh, but, I, um, saw you your, got, I saw your website. Yes, yes, of course. Um, you've got quite a cool, interesting story about taking a prop to an audition as well. <laughs> Yeah, Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was brilliant. It's one of the oh, best things man. I've seen. Like, man, again, you know, you got to remember, I was, I was green. I, I, I didn't know, I didn't know, how, you know, how to handle myself in an audition. I would go in and just do my thing. And I remember reading. I don't know if you saw the episode with Kramer. I play, uh, I play uh, Ricky the Freak or Hippie, Hippie Number One, however you want to put it. And I did uh, two episodes with them, and, and working with working with Michael Richards, who uh, is a beautiful man and, and such a talented actor. And um, again, I got called in. I went to, I think it was Paramount Television, so I went to the Paramount lot. I went in, and as you know, the character was this guy in a hippie van who you know, pulls out a knife and kills people, Not, you know, talks to Kramer about <laughs> killing people. You, you know, you got to remember the rooms are kind of small, but there's a lot of people in there. So you've got the producer, <laughs> you've got the director, you've got the writer, you've got there's a little room. And then we come in and we do our thing. And uh, I started reading and like, hey, Kramer, dude, did you ever kill a man before? He's like, no, dude, what do you think? And that's when I go, you know, well, if the, that ogre dude ever did that crap to me, man, I'd stab him. And I pulled out this fucking Bowie knife that I brought with me. Like a real <laughs> knife. Dude, you should have seen the room. The whole room was like, oh, shit, man. You know, and I got done with the reading. And I did my whole thing. And I always had a thing where, like, I would, I would get done with my reading and then I would just leave. Like, I wouldn't wait for any. I'd just walk out. Like, I'm done. You know? <laughs> the casting director comes out and she just gave it to me, man. She was livid. So look at I don't know you don't ever come in you never bring a fucking weapon into a you know into a into an audition what is wrong with you are you out of your mind you got to be on the set Monday don't ever do that again <laughs> I'm like what do you mean well of course you booked it but don't ever do that again don't you know I, I don't like the whole miming thing you know like there were auditions where I would just go look I'm not going I'm not gonna mime a bunch of you know it just doesn't feel real to me and that's what I'm really about with my work. I like to be, I, if you don't feel something from it, then I'm not doing my job. And if, if I'm not feeling it, then I can't make you feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would do auditions and I, I, I would bring stuff in because it just, as, as you can see, I made a point. I booked that job. 
because yeah. I scared the shit out of them too, and that's what they were trying to get across on the on the scene. The scene turned out funny, actually. It wasn't really <laughs> because you're working with Michael Richards. What do you think, man? These hands have been psyching. You know, it's like he was just he was, I man, trying not to laugh at him. Man, I miss Richard. He was he was he was cool. Wow, yeah. Seinfeld boy, you're bringing up some good stuff there, Ben. I appreciate that. No, what else you got? What else you got? I got loads of stuff written down here. Um, obviously, That's when, okay. you, when you when you obviously do your acting and stuff, you obviously like to put your own spin on things, which a lot of like actors or directors and producers don't like. Is there any times where you've put your own spin on a character and it's gone across really well, or where you've been just shut down at all? Well, I I, I love I, yeah I. Here's the way I think about it. Uh, a writer writes a fantastic script, right? Mm. And I believe it's the actor's job to bring that character to life. And not always do writers write for a write the character the way that an actor sees him or, or like would say something. There's a great example, Tootsie. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the movie. And he went into his agent and his he got fired because he was playing a tomato. And tomatoes don't stand and they don't talk. And, and he was trying to explain to his, to his agent, I'm playing a tomato, man. I wanted to get up and, you know, so yeah, I, I do. I do a lot of, they call it, they call it ad-libbing. Okay. Uh, or adding, adding things into a scene. And, and I have had great success with that. And I have had, you know, I've had uh, directors just go, look at man, this is the way I wrote it. And, and usually it's writers that'll go, this is the way I wrote it. I want every single word I wrote that way. And that's tough. But yeah, a lot of times I, I for me, I want to do what feels right in the scene. And I'll mm. tell you, uh, going back to Back to the Future, Robert Zemeckis taught me the best thing in my whole, in, in my career, which was, I was so grateful because my career started, he was like the second or third film that I had done. And I remember I would go up to him and say, hey, Robert, I'm thinking about doing this. And he sat me down and said, Ricky, listen, don't ask me. I said, so I, he said, don't ask me. He goes, because I may say, no, don't do it. Hmm. Yeah. And then I may miss something. He goes, just do it. Do what you're feeling. Do what you're supposed to do. And then do what you're feeling. And when I get into the editing room, I'm going to have a choice. And he says, usually I choose the actor's choice because they're usually okay. right. And I love that about Bob. Bob's, a, Bob's an actor's director. I love working with what I call actor's directors because they hire you to do something and they trust you yeah. to do it. And they guide us through the points that we need to get guided through. But as far as letting us just be free, it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like what, what, what you hired us for, you know, and that, and I did butt heads with a few and that's kind of what I said to them. I said, I said, you hired me because you liked what I do and that I'm on the set and you're not allowing me to do what I do. So how can I give you what what you want? You know, you're not. You gotta yeah. work with me here, man. If if the line says the and I leave that out and say okay, it but it still gets to the point of what we need and it feels better, then I need to do that. You know, hmm. and yeah, I get so it. I but there, listen, there are some there are some scripts that you need. They're written so well that you don't want to change anything because the writer's got to shoot together. He's he. The, this stuff is great. I'm not changing anything, but yeah, I did. I, 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 I am the ad lib king for sure. I definitely <laughs> put my own spin on stuff. <laughs> well, you, you did a wonderful, um, obviously you did your wonderful spin with back to the future 2015. Oh, thank you. you. 
that was awesome. I really enjoyed that, and I thought that was brilliant. I mean, that was all your own work and everything, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. My 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 partner Robert Bocage, who uh, directed with me, and uh, he he wrote the little story. He talked to me about it, and he wrote with me, sent it to me, and I said, "Man, this is really cool." Um, but I, I, as I said to him, I said, "Listen, you know, this is Bob Gale's baby. Nothing gets. He doesn't let anybody do anything like that. It just doesn't happen." Uh, so I sent the script to Bob, and Bob loved the script. He got back to me. He said, "No, yeah, go ahead, Ricky." And he goes, "What? Do you need any help getting on the back lot at Universal?" So he helped me get on the back lot at Universal. He made the call for me. We got to shoot on the original back lot. We shot at original Doc's place in Pasadena. Um, you know, I call my good my good buddy Mayor Goldie Wilson, um, <laughs> uh, and he came on and did a great role. And of course, one of my best friends, Darlene Vogel, who's one of my favorite actresses around, uh, she came and played and revised the role with me. And we basically made it. You know, as you saw about, you know, they were, they were skateboarders. I thought, these boards don't work on water. What are you crazy? Well, yeah, I'm really <laughs> proud of that thing. And, and the most thing I'm proud about is it was for the 30 year anniversary. And we basically put that entire thing together in less like two and a half weeks. Oh, easy. And I mean, nice. I mean, I mean the special effects and everything. We did all the hover. I mean, the, the DeLorean flying in. We did that. We, we did all yeah. that stuff, all of it. Um, and then, you know, we had the script for a while and I couldn't find, I couldn't find Michael, you know, I couldn't find the Marty that I wanted. And, um, I was at an event, uh, Paul Casey, uh, another friend of mine from Las Vegas, he does star cars and a bunch of great shows. Uh, I was at his show and I was at, you know, they do like, at, usually it shows that do the under the sea dance all the time. That's kind of like, a, and you get to meet and greet, you know, with your supporters and, and I'm standing in line to get a Coke. And behind me, I hear, can, can I get a Pepsi, Pepsi free, please? You know, and I turned <laughs> around and there was my guy in complete Marty uniform. He was living somewhere else. Um, I, I turned around. I said, oh, my God, man. I, 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 I called my director up. I called Robert up. I said, Robert, I got him. I found him. I got him. <laughs> uh, and that's how that came about. We flew him in to Los Angeles. I worked with him and he did a fantastic job on the film. I thought he made, oh, some, you know, he made a great Michael J. Fox, um, a great Marty. And that was kind of how that went. And I'm really proud of that little short, especially as, I mean, we did it with no budget, no money. You know, uh, like I said, we did it in two weeks because we had a deadline for the 30 year anniversary and wanted to have it play for that anniversary. And I thought for what we did, it came out, it came out pretty, pretty fun. It was a fun little piece. It was a really I'm glad you said something. Back to the 2015 future, you can see it. Go to the website. A lot of fun. And that was a fan film. You know, I, 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 uh, there was no proceeds made from that. None at all. The only person who gets paid for that is uh, Sylvester for the music. They still give, <laughs> U2 gives him payments for that. But we, you know, we did it as a total fan film. Um, yeah. haven't made one, one dollar on it or nothing like that. Just put it out there. And, That's amazing. Uh, it's pretty cool. What's it got like 4 million views right now, which is kind of cool. I think, yeah. It's really yeah. Ranked yeah. Up. It's really, yeah, it's up. really cool. So, so happy about that. Yeah. I love that, man. I did that for the supporters. I hope you guys enjoyed that. So, um, Oh, it was brilliant. Good, 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 good. So good, uh, good. obviously one of the reasons why we, obviously we got you here today is because you're going to be doing a signing with. And what I loved about it is um, you're doing it for a charity as well, for autism, is that right? Uh, 
yes, yes. Part, part, part of my proceeds will go there. And I know Alex is putting some of the proceeds that he gets, I guess, is going to, to autism. But I've been, you know, I've been working with the Autism Coalition uh, from the start. I, I remember doing their very first uh, golf celebrity tournament. If you go to like LiveWire or go on the internet, you'll see, you'll see the uh, uh, autism counts is what it is. Yeah. And you'll see, you'll see the pictures of all of us going to the... So I've been kind of doing that. I have some good friends that, you know, their children have autism and I've been blessed with two amazingly beautiful children who are, you know, just healthy and beautiful. So yeah, as a, as a parent, I can really, you know, understand the frustration and, and uh, what, what that, what that does to, uh, I've seen it firsthand, let's put it to you that way. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, because obviously, I mean, charities are struggling so much, especially with COVID. I mean, so it's, it's wonderful you guys have donated money to a charity. That's why yeah. I had to get on board with you guys. It's just wonderful to see. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that because it, it, is, it is a very cool thing. And um, I, think, I think that, like I said, going back to being, you know, human beings and, and, and getting back to giving and loving each other is what we need to do kind of a deal. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to that. And... I hope people, um, you know, I hope people come on and buy some cool stuff. I'm looking, you know, for the Funko, I'm, I'm looking the Funko, Funko doll. I'm looking, I want to see that. I think that's really cool. I've been after those, you know, trying to get those guys to do a, a, a Freddy, you know, a Carlos doll. And it's just like, man, get on board, guys. What's going on? And data? I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I think the powers that be really feel that, um, that our supporters only want to see uh, uh michael and leah and doc you know and I, yeah. I i i think they couldn't be more wrong yeah of course we love michael i love i love chris and i love leah and, and of course people want to see them but they also want to see the other you know the other people they want to see they love the clock tower lady for crying out loud who bless her heart just passed away uh mayor goldie wilson you know they love to see him and I think um, I think a lot of supporters get robbed because, like the people who run cons and and just just you know all together they only think that it's just the top three people want to see you know and I think it's yeah. a franchise that people love everything about that franchise so I hope that gets turned around at some point and and you know people uh, will be able to see and and love on everybody which would be kind of cool but it's up to the fans you know you guys got to make noise. You know, if you want oh, to yeah. see somebody, if you want to see somebody at your favorite con, you know, I don't think people realize that um, we don't pick where we go. We're invited. If we're not invited, we don't get to go. It's it's kind of that simple. So people come to and go, well, well, how come you're not here? And why don't you go to, to Wizard World? And how come you're not? And it's like, um, well, because they've never invited me. You know, when they do the Back to the Future stuff, it's normally the top three. So, um, which, like I said, again, I love them. I, I would love you know, to be part of that, but it, it's up to you guys. You got to make noise and say, Hey, this is who we want. They're feeding, yeah. they're feeding you what they want to feed you, not what you want to eat. <laughs> That's a really good sound like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, you know, I don't think they, you know, but anyway, let's now I'll probably get shit for that, but that's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> so with okay, your signing, uh, can people, I mean, are you going to personalize stuff for people? Are you happy to put names and quotes? Like, how are you going to sign for people? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't charge extra for quotes. And, you know, I, I, I really, I don't want to get too deep into it, Ben, about how I feel yeah. about the, the, the convention circuit and, and, and the way that supporters are um, treated. 
I, I, I will say that I, I think it's called a con for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't, I listen, you know, I've always been the same price for my stuff and, and I don't charge for saying things or, or extra charge because, you know, I'm going to, you know, I, to say, to say data, I, of course I want to say data. That's the character. Yeah. You know, I know there are some people out there that won't even put their character name on things. And it, it's mm -hmm. just, uh, I don't I don't, I really don't understand that at all. Um, no. I think again, we have to get back to this. The supporters are the reason people like you, people like Alex, people like Johnny Pappas, all of the people that are watching this, the, the, even all 11 of you who I love, by the way, um, it's about, we don't have anything without you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can make all the films in the world. If nobody watches them, there's nothing there. So I'm completely aware of that. And I just, I just, I would love to see the supporters being a little more taken care of than taken advantage of, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so yeah, so to answer your question, no, I do not charge extra for, you know, and of course, if they want me to write, you know, I'll, 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 yeah, you just put it down when they order. And I'll be, what I'm going to do is uh, I'll fill out everything so that it doesn't take up a big clockwork of time for everybody so everybody can get to yeah. talk to me. I'll put the quotes down first already ahead of time. And then when I talk yeah. to them, I'll do the signature. That way it'll all be there. And then I can just move on and get as many people, hopefully, as we can to, you know, get what they want. But yeah, I have no problem with that. I just, I don't, I don't sign other people's lines at that many, other actors. I don't step on toes like, so uh, somebody yeah. wanted me to sign, uh, unless you got power. Well, that's not my line. That's my buddy Jason Scott Lee's line. So I wouldn't yeah. do that. Um, and that's just out of respect for him, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm willing. Yeah, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here to, like I said, I love my supporters and I'm here to do what they need me to do. I'm grateful. Period. So, so should, we, um, should we have a look through the comments section quickly and see if there's any questions anyone have? Um, yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. You? can't really see are they, I know things were scrolling through guys but I couldn't see it um, you can if you got comments yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll answer anything people want yeah, are people still there <laughs> uh, we got a, a question here from Mike it, yeah Mike uh, yeah Mike it says um, I hear you're bringing out a book so um, would it be out over in the UK would it be available in the United Kingdom absolutely I, I love the United Kingdom man I was I mean uh, France and, and the UK and uh, I swear man I, I think that if I didn't know better I know I think my soul was from there I remember the first time <laughs> I walked well, I remember the first time I walked on the streets and I was like man this is so familiar to me I love all the old you know buildings and yes of course it will be It'll be available for all my supporters. I don't care if you're in Spain or France or I don't care where you're at. If you want it, yeah, you'll be able to get it. Uh, we uh, got another one from Mike as well. It says, um, can you basically, can you ride a skateboard? Can you actually skateboard? Yes, I can actually. Well, we had to for the film. You know, it's been, <laughs> it's been a while. I remember, I, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was doing Nightmare on Elm Street, Brecken, Brecken was a big skateboarder. And uh, we were screwing around in, in, in the, uh, where we shot the boiler room and there was an empty room where we were screwing around and skating. And I took a, I took a bad, bad fall, big, rode it across and I hit a, hit a, you know, you hit a rock and it stopped the wheel. <laughs> I remember falling on this post that was in the ground. You know, we're still shooting and Breck and I were by ourselves. And 
I was like, man, I think I think I broke my rib or something. And so I, you know, <laughs> just taped myself up over that, went back to work. But yeah, I, I still I have uh where is my skateboard? I think it's down in my down in my little room down there. But I have a longboard that I skate here. Um uh we have a trail. I'm in I'm in Mendocino County or or beach properties in Mendocino County, uh, which yeah. is beautiful. It's right on the ocean. Just right there is the ocean, and they have a a really long mile and a half trail, you know, it's, it's all, and I ride my board, my longboard round and round, but yeah, yeah, I love this game. Yeah. I don't do tricks and do the crazy shit anymore because I break it <laughs> than I used to, <laughs> but yeah, I, I dig it. Uh, we got another one here uh, from Tony uh, Hawk, but you know, did uh, you, did you see, did you, no, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 yeah, I, I saw the Tony Hawk video where he, he faked the hoverboard. Was that what you were going to no, say? No, I was talking about Steve-O, you know, Steve-O from... Oh, Steve-O, you forgot those, yeah. We, we did it, we re, I, re, I, I, I put back on the data costume for one time. I think it was two years ago for Halloween, uh, and Steve-O played Griff. So you yeah. guys should check that out. That was a lot of fun. So that, and then and we rode the boards then all over uh, Venice and Santa Monica, all over the street. <laughs> and it was so much fun. So go ahead. What's the other question? Oh, I've got one from um, Lauren Taylor. She says, um, hi, Ricky, me and my boyfriend, Dan, are really big fans of Back to the Future. Uh, he wants to ask, since you were on set with Michael J. Fox, what was it like? Wow, man, Michael was just... Michael was curious, courteous, kind, uh, a professional. We had a lot of fun. I remember every Friday was Margarita Friday. He'd be, he'd be, <laughs> would be out in the trailer, and we'd go to his trailer for Margarita Fridays, and uh, after the wraps, and and then, like I said, his trailer was on the back lot, and then there was the L.A. River, and then there was the L.A. Golf Course. You could see the the the, the greens and everything. And he had a mat and clubs, and we would hit balls over while people were golfing. We'd hit balls over, <laughs> over to the green, and then ditch behind the tree. I had a blast with Michael. He he's um, he's a true professional, man. The guy's everything you think that he's everything you think he is. I just, you know, he struggles hard and he's working hard with with what he's been dealt with, and and I'm proud of him for what he does with that. But um, yeah, man, he was just a he, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. That's all I can say about Michael. He's 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 always been that guy. Yeah. So whatever you guys think he is, that's that's absolutely one hundred percent true. He really <laughs> is that guy. And I wish you guys could have all known him before and and after. And and um, you know, he works really hard to uh, bring awareness to Parkinson's and and all of it. You know. Yeah. 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 That's another one. That's, um, that's another hard one. <clears throat> We got, uh, we got another question here from Mike again. It says, uh, me and my girlfriend want to know, Ricky, did you ever get to, did you ever get to ride in the DeLorean on set? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> we would drive, we would drive around all the time. On, you got to remember the back lot was huge. You know, it's a, not just, just the only thing you're seeing from our film is, is uh, what they call the court center. The lot is yeah. huge. So you know the cars were there driving back and forth. They they were being run up all day drove, and so yeah, we we'd always get in them and tool around a little bit. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, they're a lot of fun, man. Awesome. I'm I'm really jealous of that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> they're cool. They're fun. They're fun. The whole wing thing, and and uh, you know, I mean, they're not very fast. The motors are really crap on them. They're not. They're not really a. You know, they're not a great car by any means, as far as the cars go. But you know, they they it, 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 the film made it what it was. You know, the film turned yeah. the DeLorean into this amazing. You know, you got to remember. I think the first time machine and the first grip was a refrigerator. Oh, was it? Yeah. That's crazy. Refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, it was. I I believe I believe that's that's what the first script they had was, that the time machine was going to be a refrigerator. Kind of weird. <laughs> Turned yeah. out to be the DeLorean, which I think was you know, probably the best move. The best move ever. Yeah. Was, and and and, cool. and there's another little tidbit I'll throw out for you guys. I am working and have been working, uh, on another script with another partner of mine. And um, it is going to be Back to the Future related, but it's going to be like DeLorean related. So look out for oh, that too. I'll let you guys know when it's coming. It's 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 an, it's a really cool story. It's going to be really. It's true. The whole thing is true. Um, and I'll give you a little snops of it. I where I live in Los Angeles, there's a hiking place called Runyon Canyon, and I my wife and I would hike up there a lot with the kids. And uh, every every day I went by this one property, and uh, a DeLorean was sitting in the driveway, just sitting there rotting kind of like you know for years and i i would put notes on the on the door notes on the door like what are you doing with this car i'm really interested you know it's a DeLorean. and i i never heard i just never heard and this went on for 10 15 years maybe maybe 20 <laughs> and and i just never got an answer and i'd go by every day and go man there's that that thing's just sitting out in the sun is what what's going on with it and a uh, long story short i i finally did get a hold of who owned it and he and I are working on a, a very cool script right now. So uh, that's oh, going to be out there soon. It's wicked. It's going to be really cool. I know that, that there'll never be another Back to the Future and, and Robert, you know, I mean, uh, Bob, Gale, and Ryan, you know, there, there's not going to be a four. But um, this, I think, will be the closest thing to that once we yeah. get rolling. So it's going to be cool. It should be a lot of fun. So, and I'm giving more you information. What <laughs> you 11 <laughs> people are getting more stuff than. <laughs> oh, the secrets uh, what else, are coming More questions? Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I we... appreciate that. You and your girlfriend. I hope you're we've doing got good. Say, we got one from Adam. It said, "Did you get to keep anything from any of the films?" I, I did keep stuff from, from. I have. I do have stuff from the films. Yeah, just little private things that are there for me. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but yes, I have from Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street, from Back to the Future, from Seinfeld. Like, you know, I always kept a lot of stuff. You know, back in the early days, you could you could buy your wardrobe. Like I always had the oh, coolest wow. wardrobe and I would say, hey, can I have that? And they'd give it to me. And then, you know, time went on. They were like, shit, wardrobes are worth money. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have a pretty cool collection of stuff that I keep in my office. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's, it's good to know that you've got it and kept it safe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I have my original, I have one of the original ears from, from Freddy. I have, uh, yeah, I got some cool stuff. Nice. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I do have some fun stuff. Thank yeah, you for that question, another, by the way. That was a good question. Got another one. Um, actually, John on here has just said um, the Pizza Hut adverts, uh, they are on YouTube. You can find some of them. Oh, good. Bigfoot! Yeah, those are out there. <laughs> <laughs> they were fun, man. Like I said, I'm grateful for all the work I got to do, and, and they, they were fun to shoot. I had a good time with those. Uh, we've got another question here from, uh, I think it's Is Isaka. I'm, I'm bad at pronouncing names. It says, um, what was your favorite role to play? 
Uh, man, Ben, you know, I get that, I get that a lot. Um, and, and I gotta, I, you know, I really have to be honest with you. I, I, I really loved everything I did because as we talked about earlier, I, I, uh, I, I really choose carefully what I want to do and so that I can bring the best performance to, to you guys and be real about it. I, I really, I, I yeah. love all the stuff I've done. I mean, there's little roles that I've done. There's little tiny things that I've done. And, you know, I'm, I'm the king of getting killed on film. I mean, for some reason I die a lot. And I don't, you know, don't understand that. But yeah, I really, I, I, there's not one favorite role of mine. Mm. I got a low battery here. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, there's not there's not one favorite role that I have, but it, I love the, I love them all really, and that's that's really the truth. Yeah. I love everything I do. I don't care how big or how small it is. So we'll finish up with a, a couple more questions. I got another one from Mike. It said, "Did you ever get the DeLorean up to 88?" <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The lot's big, but it's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing a delay. Like I hear us, I hear what we were talking about two and a half seconds ago in my ear. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Is that what I sound like? Oh, no, this, this sounds fine to me. No, this video's over. This meeting's over now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's because I have a low battery too. Um, you guys are gonna oh, okay. lose me here in a minute. Oh yeah, so obviously, so we'll wrap it up with one last question then. Okay, sure. What was your favorite piece that you, you kept from, obviously, over the years of working on a film? Have you got something you can tell us about? Uh, favorite piece? Um, again, man, I, I love all that stuff. The hoverboard, uh, the ear from Freddy, um, I have the I have the the original knife I went into that we talked about with the Seinfeld audition. <laughs> yeah, I kept that Bowie knife. Yeah, I, I I like it all, man. There's no there's not one favorite. There really isn't. That's brilliant. But yeah, obviously, Ricky, we'll we'll wrap it up there, then, shall we? But I just I just want to say a really big thank you for obviously talking to me today and for doing Anytime. the signing and, and raising the money for autism. It's I'm yep. so looking forward to watching the live stream and. You know, it's going to be an awesome time and something positive we can give to people. I love that, man. I love that. Ben, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it anytime. And um, You're welcome. I hope, I, hope people, I hope people get to see it. Um, I love you guys. Love my supporters. Uh, I'm grateful. Be human, everybody. Love each other. Let's get back to it, man. Let's get back to it. I'll awesome. see you later, Ben. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ricky, and see you later. Have a good day. Enjoy right. the sunshine. I look forward to seeing you guys at the signing. I'll see you at the <laughs> signing. Okay. All right, Ben. See you later.